Support for studio sessions on KNKX comes from OB Credit Union, the original credit union of the Olympia Brewery, bringing pub-style banking to South Sound neighborhoods. OB Credit Union, offering Rainier, Pabst, Lone Star, and Olympia beer credit cards. More at obee.com cards. I'm Abe Beeson with an exclusive KNKX studio session performance from John Cleary and the Absolute Monster Gentleman, hosted by Nick Morrison in our downtown Seattle Studio X. Nick's conversation with Cleary is a fascinating look at the life of an Englishman in New Orleans, and they pull off a fantastic bonus song after the interview, so stay connected. First, we get into their prepared three-song set with I Feel So Damn Good. I feel so damn good I'll be happy when I get the blues Happy when I get 
Everybody feel that? Frenchman Street Blues for a dear friend. And it goes a little bit like this. Scott of Mises, mm, on Frenchman Street. Don't be upset at the news. Street Blues It's still right On the river breeze To at least you feel So green Spirits that look down and smile on the back streets of old New Orleans. Did my time, y'all, in masquerade. Fellas, can I play one I did my time 
Thank you very much. Thank you. That was for the blues lovers. Uh, now we're going to switch it up again.
so much everybody thank you thank you john cleary in the absolute monster gentleman another hand thank you very much john uh has put out 10 releases since 1994 uh won a grammy for go go juice in 2015 and in april just released uh a new record called um, So Swell. Mm -hmm. You have new band members since the last time uh, I saw you. I noticed uh, in videos that this band uh, that you have now has been with you a while. You want to you wanna talk about these guys? They're playing Pedro great. Pedro is the most recent addition to the band. Pedro is from Portugal, 
but it's a very cosmopolitan musician, plays classically trained musician, studied at the Guildhall School of Music in London and plays with orchestras and symphonies and operas and funk bands from New Orleans. <laughs> so Pedro Segundo is the uh, big hand for Pedro Segundo on the percussion. <laughs> Cornell, the bass player and I have been playing together for about 300 years. And, uh, yeah. And um, Cornell's background is gospel. Cornell's mother was a, a singer and an organist. The Heavenly Melodies was her gospel group in New Orleans. And Cornell was playing in a band called The Friendly Travelers when we first met. And we've been friends ever since. That's been about 30 years now, something like that. More than, more than 30 years. AJ, we just found him outside. Funny enough, I've never seen him before in my life. <laughs> Appreciate the opportunity to be I'm here. Who, I was wondering who he was. I didn't even Definitely. know until you introduced him. Shh, they don't know. They don't know. We were beginning to wonder who that guy was sitting on the back yeah. steps. He's, right. He's not bad, is he? I might ask him if he wants to do it again. I right. slept outside for three months just to be able to come up. How about it for AJ Hall on the drums? AJ has uh, a... Uh, reputation, different aspects of music. He makes um, beats for hip-hoppers and quite famous for that and uh, plays all kinds of styles, but really plays the New Orleans groove the way I like it. So yeah, great musicians. I always get, if I have any talent at all, it's hiring the best musicians. <laughs> the ones that aren't in jail, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out on work release. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, thanks That's to you guys. That's why the lineup for... tends to change. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to you guys, of course, for uh, sharing your time with us today. And um, I want to thank Jazz Alley. Yeah, we'd like to thank Jazz Alley, Alley too. You're I at the Alley through Sunday. Beautiful. Yeah, we're playing two, playing two sets tonight, two sets tomorrow night, I believe. That's right, huh? Yeah. And the day after, too. And then we take off for uh, Honolulu um, to go shark fishing. Only joking. We're actually playing at the Blue Note. And then, um, and then we go to Japan where they love the absolute uh, monster funk. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. And then we get to go home. We'll look forward to that nice food. Yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, uh, you know what? Speaking of home, um, a colleague asked me today, <clears throat> she was wondering if uh, you, were, you were born in Kent, England, mm -hmm. and you've been uh, in New Orleans for, like, Going on 35 years, somewhere in more there? More than that, but 40 years. Oh, no years. kidding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was I wondering was, if you feel more British or American. Um, I'm British. I was, you know, <laughs> words of Graham Greene's book, like England made me. You kind of put your stamp when you're young. But I came here when I was 18. So um, I've lived most of my life in New Orleans. So I'm very happy to be a bit of both. Really. I think it's a great privilege yeah. to be English and American. I'm actually, technically, I'm an American citizen. So um, you, but yeah, New Orleans kind of put its stamp. I think I was kind of hardwired for New Orleans music. I was just born in the wrong side of the pond. Yeah, evidently, yeah. evidently coming mm -hmm. here at 18, that would have been 79, 80? 81. 81. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you do that I first night in New trees. Orleans? What, what was that? The first night in New Orleans? Oh, it was magical. Did you have any people there? Well, no, I did. Well, yes, I did but not people I'd ever met before. Yeah. And a few nights before, someone had given me a matchbox of the Maple Leaf Bar. Ooh. They couldn't, they said, I, 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 they'd heard I was going. They said, where are you staying? I said, I don't know. I had $100 and I just assumed everything like you do when you're 18, indestructible. I had no, didn't have any plans at all. I was just, guys wanted to go to New Orleans. Uh, but I got this match, was given this matchbox and so I called the bar from the airport 
and it was the sister of an ex-girlfriend of my uncle. Happened to be <laughs> happened to be passing through New Orleans and I got a job behind the bar at this at this joint called the Maple Leaf, which I knew nothing about. And um, so she said, "Yeah, I could hear all of, uh, over the noise of the bar. It was a busy night, and I was trying to figure out the new money and how you know, how you made a payphone work." And I got through, thank God. And she said, "Get in a taxi." So I pulled up outside the bar, eventually, and walked in. And Earl King, who was one of my sort of heroes, Ooh. who I, was just a name on the back of record sleeves and sort of music history books, was on the stage. And I got my first Dixie beer. I sat at the bar, and then Earl King played. Lo he played "Lonely Lonely Nights." <laughs> There have been some lonely, lonely nights Baby, yeah, since you've been gone I lay my head down on my pillow, baby How oh, I cried all night long Yeah, so it was like like walking into a film set, you know, it was amazing. <laughs> so that was the beginning, so I never went back. I've been in New Orleans ever since, pretty much. I love the maple leaf. I'm know. very fond of it too. They gave me my first job. Yeah. I got a job digging up. I was I only had a hundred dollars. I spent half of it on my first day at Jim Russell's rare record shop. <laughs> and, um, I spent 50 bucks. It was great. Clarence Henry records, Huey Smith record, all this stuff. In England, you couldn't, you had to scour obscure market stores trying to find these records. And I had a book that had been written by an Englishman called John Broven, which was the Bible of New Orleans Rhythm and Blues, written in about eight years or nine years before I got there. And he had gone to New Orleans and interviewed all the old musicians. And by a really weird irony, it turned out that he actually he was the bank manager in the village that I lived in. The world's leading expert on New Orleans Rhythm and Blues was John Broven, and he was the bank manager in a little village in Kent. So uh, I had the names of all these records, but there was no way of, I didn't know what they sounded like. So I went with a huge list. And so I spent most of my money on the first day. And then I got a job digging up banana trees and never looked back. Digging up banana, banana trees, yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's very hard work. It's very hard work digging up banana trees. But in the back of the maple leaf, you know, where all the brick patio is, right. that used to be all banana trees. So oh. I dug up all those banana trees and laid the bricks. And, and the deal was, the owner of the bar, the guy called the Fat Man, he said, you can, uh, we'll pay you five bucks an hour and you can work whatever hours you want. You get to see all the bands for nothing. You can come in the bar and see all the bands for free. And you get half price drink in the evening and you get free drink while you work. It's only in New Orleans, <laughs> only in New Orleans would it be that way around, you know what I mean? So uh, a job that should have taken a couple of weeks took me and my mate six months. And I lived in the bar, that was my living room, and James Book used to, all these great musicians were coming and play. so uh, that was my, all my friends in England were going to university, that was my university, was the Maple Leaf Bar. Well, you were a guitarist primarily at that point. You didn't bring a guitar. No. The house I moved into had an old bar and piano in it. Ah. And you got to play something, so I played that. Yeah. I know I was here, I was just listening to piano players. New Orleans isn't really known for its guitar players, but the best piano player, one of the best piano players ever came out of New Orleans, played at the, played at the bar I was just talking about. And he got free drink there too. So he would um, go and hang out there in the daytime and there'd be nobody else there except me on a paintbrush painting the bar or digging up the banana trees. Or, and so I got to hear this, his name was James Booker. And now acknowledged as one of being the greatest piano players ever came out of the audience. But he was just a, a strange oddball cat that came in and played the piano sometimes. 
Booker was out there. He was nuts, yeah. Yeah. But then, but the thing was, everybody in that bar was so nuts. He didn't stand out as being unusual at all. They were all they were all raving bonkers the whole lot of them, really, which was all so great, you know. They all went together. Yeah. <laughs> well, two of the uh, let's say linchpins, rhythmically of the Maple Leaf, drummer Johnny Vidokovic and bassist James Singleton. And it looks like your latest record, So Swell, is a pretty intentional collaboration with those two? Um, it was an offer to make a record for a New York label that only did vinyl. I like, they're, they're a great team. You know, they're a really good team, those two. They played with, with James Booker, they recorded, the guy I was just talking about, with Professor Long here. Um, and they're great at playing New Orleans funk in, in the New Orleans sense. The word means something slightly different musically in New Orleans. Um, and I love playing with him. And um, the saxophone player is James Rivers, who plays with us sometimes, and he's 85 now, I guess, and just wow. getting better and better. But he's one of the few guys left from that R&B dewdrop-in generation, but still a working musician in New Orleans and still playing really great. So he's on, that, on the record, too. It felt like the record was a, a little bit of a love letter to sort of foundational New Orleans music you've yeah. got. Yeah, everything I play is a love letter to foundational New Orleans music, really. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's my kind of default acts. When I sit down and play, I play, that's where I learned to play piano and all this stuff. So that's, yeah, everything I do, really, is in that sort of general funky. Everything kind of you do going to be funky. Yes, indeed. From now on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned your uncle a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Is that Uncle Johnny? Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about this riff, uh, this guitar riff that your Uncle Johnny played. Um, yeah, he lived... That's kind of one of the reasons I went to New Orleans. When I was a little kid, he was a he would travel around the world and occasionally we'd hear from him. And sometimes we'd go for a whole year not knowing where he was. He'd be sort of riding on boats up and down the African coast with the French Foreign Legion or he was living in a cave in the Sahara Desert. Good Lord. At one point, he was working uh, sardine boats in the Mediterranean, and then we got a card from him, and he was in New Orleans. And um, he lived there for a couple of years and loved it. At a time when uh, Professor Longhair was playing tiny little joints, mm. so we'd go and see Professor Longhair and just lean on the piano and chat to him as he played. And I, I grew up hearing these stories and got letters about this amazing music. When he came back, he had two suitcases full of 45s. Wow. And I stay with that's how I got this amazing education in New Orleans funk and rhythm and blues music. But um, he, yeah, he lived in New Orleans for a couple of years, and then he went to, from there to uh, a little island off the coast of Southern Ireland called Shirkin, which is where at the time in the uh, early 70s, a lot of the traditional younger musicians had been learning from the old guys about traditional Irish music. And so he, he hung out with those guys. And then when he came back, the riff you're talking about goes like this. That's the riff, though. And it sounds like a cross, to me, it always sounded like a cross between an Irish jig and uh, Professor Longhair after about five pints of Guinness. 
funky, very funky. So yeah, yeah, I'm going to be playing a gig with him in London in December. Johnny Johnson. Johnny? Yeah, Johnny Johnson. He's killing. Oh. Yeah. After I heard uh, Uncle Johnny's riff that you played, I thought that I kind of heard it in the song Boneyard. That's Boneyard, yeah. That's the oh, one it is? Okay. It's a new arrangement, yes. Oh. Yeah, I'd always love that riff. I said to him, do you mind if I use it in this song? And he said, no. So we came up with a few other ideas, too, that were really killing. Man. Yeah. I don't want to keep you from your other appointments today. Is there anything you want to touch on before we call it a beautiful afternoon? You want a little bit more boneyard? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Right. Yeah, I think let, let the music do the talking. Thank you so much. Ain't ready for the bone yard. Ain't ready for the bone yard. Ain't ready for the bone. 
ain't ready for the bone yard. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's, uh, that's the way John Cleary and the Absolute Monster Gentlemen end an interview. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. You've given us an afternoon that we really enjoyed it. Thank you all. Oh, Thanks thank you. John Cleary and the Absolute Monster Gentlemen, hosted by Nick Morrison in the KNKX Downtown Seattle Studio X. Cornell Williams, bass and vocals. A.J. Hall, drums and vocals, with Pedro Segundo adding percussion. I'm Abe Beeson. Thanks to Nick Morrison and the KNKX Studio Session audio engineer Brian Moynihan, video producer Parker Blome. Thanks also to Promotions Director Brenda Goldstein-Young and to our friends at Demetrius Jazz Alley for making Mr. Cleary available for this fantastic session. Finally, thanks so much to you for listening. Connect to our Studio Session archive anytime at knkx.org.